Hey listeners, welcome to the podcast, How Did They Get There? In this series, we interview some amazing individuals and try to understand about their career journey so far. Uh, do they love what they do and what inspires them and much more? In our first episode, we are talking to Troy Barrett, MD, Bamak UK, where we discuss Troy's career journey going from investment banking in the US to manufacturing in UK importance of organization culture and a lot more hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh, welcome to the uh, how did they get their podcast uh, thank you for uh, you know participating uh, in this uh, and being available for this interview um, so let's start off with uh, would you like to quickly introduce yourself uh, to our listeners sure first thank you for having me nishant it's a real pleasure to be here uh, so my name is Troy Barrett. I'm the, I'm the managing director and majority shareholder of a company called Bamak Group Holdings. And we own two businesses at the moment, uh, a contract manufacturing company and a company that supplies street furniture and infrastructure products uh, to the UK and around, really around the EU and a little bit into America. And uh, it's something I've been doing now for eight years and uh, really, really enjoy it. Thanks. And uh, do you love what you do? Yeah, I do. Uh, I have the, uh, I guess I'd say I have the pleasure of getting to do what I, what I want to do. Um, I certainly have challenging days. And uh, interestingly enough, today was a particularly challenging day. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoy the challenge. And I would say I get to do the three things I enjoy most, most of the time. I get to spend time working with the management team and developing the team uh, around me, speaking with big customers and prospects and uh, understanding their businesses and how we can work with them or, or, or their requirements. And then uh, BAMIC Group was set up to invest in uh, really sort of underperforming uh, industrial and commercial businesses uh, or, or companies that are looking for an exit, but a long-term shareholder that's going to look after the business for the next few decades. Mm -hmm. um, and I get to spend a fair amount of my time looking at uh, the next investment opportunity for us. Uh, and that, and that, I enjoy doing all three of those things. That, that's really interesting. And especially, you know, the uh, sector you mentioned. So I just quick, had a quick look up uh, at your company and I saw the seat designs and stuff that you guys do. Uh, that also seemed like, you know, a very niche thing that you see these things in public, but you actually don't think about, you know, actually who's coming up with these designs uh, and, you know, how much they actually matter to actually build up that ecosystem and the way uh, things represent. Um, you know, to get to this position, you've been, some, you've been doing this for eight years. Uh, how did you get started uh, with this? Well, it, it's um, how I got started in this was, well, I, I used to work in finance and in investment banking and then private equity and corporate development. And I always enjoyed being at the businesses, in the factories, in the shipyards. And I spent most of my time with industrial businesses uh, and the roles I had when I was still working in finance. Uh, so that helped me learn a lot about the business and what I wanted to do and helped me kind of think about where, uh, if I get the opportunity to, to have my own business, what would it, what would it be and what would it look like? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what I do now, I really enjoy it, Nishan, because I get to, I, I, like, I, I like being involved in businesses where I see the product at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's just it's something about me. I've, I've, I've worked in businesses where it's service oriented and there's some fantastic service oriented businesses in many ways. That's what I did in finance. It was a service business, but I really like seeing the product and uh, I get a lot of excitement and a buzz out of seeing our products around cities. 
Um, I've seen them in multiple countries and saying not only do I get to see our products in different cities, but on a personal level, it makes me happy to see that our products help people, uh, particularly furnitubes, engage with the outdoor environment. Um, so we get to work with manufacturing and bringing great manufacturing and engineering jobs, uh, providing them in the UK, uh, and then seeing our products help get people outdoors. It's, it's really satisfying. And is that something, you know, when you came out of university, is this something that you thought that you would be doing? Not in the slightest. So um, I grew up in Indiana, sort of middle America, the Midwest, yeah. uh, about three hours south of Chicago. That was the biggest city near where I grew up. And my, the city I grew up in was about a million people, but very spread out. So it wouldn't feel like a million person city if you, if you went to visit it in a place called Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what finance really was. And I went to university. And the first time I ever went to New York City for a job interview, uh, and I got the job. Uh, so coming out of university, my last probably year and a half, I thought this whole thing in investment banking sounds really interesting and it was very big. I graduated in university in 2001. And uh, fortunately I got the job. So that set me off on a track where um, I would say before that, I, I, I just wasn't quite sure what I would do, mm -hmm. but being from the Midwest, there's lots of manufacturing and industrial businesses, companies that make things, distribution businesses, um, and my family kind of has had a number of small businesses, uh, just aunts, uncles, both my parents. So I, I kind of just figured I'd end up doing something like that. Um, and then I went off in this whirlwind thing that took me to New York. Um, and sometimes I laugh and say, now I'm living in a, a village an hour outside of London. <laughs> so I definitely wouldn't have expected that growing up in uh, about a half an hour from cornfields. Nice. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about... Uh, working in the finance sector and now actually you're in the contract manufacturing and you're building these businesses creating manufacturing jobs uh, which is you know very interesting especially for the uk because they are you know known more for the service and the finance sector and the manufacturing mm -hmm. is still a very small part of it uh, considerably but um, you know to actually uh, envisage to make that transition is that been something uh, difficult for you uh, or is that something being you know uh, as a part of the process? Well, I think, um, you know, there's a couple points you made there worth addressing. It is, uh, the UK does very much feel like a services and financial services in particular, uh, consulting, legal services, uh, marketing type of a, of a country uh, and an economy. Uh, we're still, I think, the eighth and ninth biggest manufacturing economy in the world, mm -hmm. uh, which is still quite significant. Um, there's probably something to be pointed out that is probably not as focused on as it should be. Um, but uh, some of the reality is I speak English. So whereas Germany really is the powerhouse manufacturing, excuse me, economy in, in, the, in the EU and in Europe, um, it's, it wasn't really an option for me. I don't speak German, French, or Italian, where the other three big, you know, mm -hmm. big manufacturing hubs. And, um, but at the same time, there's the great history of engineering in this country and where we are in north kent along the thames estuary there's 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 actually quite a big variety of industrial businesses and engineering companies that helps us basically help us grow whether they're customers suppliers or yeah. finding uh finding people to join the team it, it actually works pretty well nice and uh, you know so you've been through different job roles through your career um into this control and stuff and um, you've created you few companies, uh, your holdings own other companies and it's a growing business. 
personally, uh, through all of this change, uh, how do you manage to adapt and keep learning uh, to be relevant for the type of work that you're doing? I think it, it, that question really, you've almost answered it yourself, right? Because it's just keep learning. Yeah. Um, and I think I just, I have a view of, I, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I still love understanding even the ba even what a basic subject in an area I don't understand much about. So we just bought a rob robotic welding plant. So I get interested in what type of coding is used. Yes. How is it used? How does the coding work? How does it, the welding offline robotic software integrate into the SolidWorks package? I just yeah. I find this stuff all very fascinating. Um, and I make sure to look after my health so my brain stays in, in decent shape, or at least I try to, so that uh, I, just, I just embrace it. And it's something I, I realized I had to do. Um, I knew when, when I bought uh, the first business, Contracts Engineering, that I would need to because I'd spent a lot of time in a very different type of work environment, looking at manufacturing companies, you know, quite a bit different than actually being in one and running it. And as I, as I would say, you know, I kind of understood how to look at a business and, you know, where's the money come from? Where does it go? What kind of customers do we have? Are they the right type of customers? You know, what, what is a good versus a bad customer? How do we look at our supply chain? All these things I had a good understanding of and a good training in. But as I said, I had no idea what happens at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Or what do you do at 3 o'clock on a Thursday? What was the management team doing to keep that business going? So I knew I had a lot to learn. Uh, and I still do. And I, I, have, I literally have monthly targets of my mm -hmm. own personal goals of reading enough books, studying subjects, um, and making sure that I always set aside time to read or to learn, whether it's, you know, say a, a very practical learning where I'm in, I'm in the factory or I'm sitting with the designer or I'm sitting with the customer learning about their product. Um, I just, I, I get really excited and I ask lots of questions and, and I try to tell that to the team. I said, guys, you know, keep asking questions. Uh, there really isn't a bad question. Mm -hmm. um, so just really, guys, just just learn as much as you can, and and keep asking because I do it all the time. So for example, I was at I took a, a sales uh, guy to a prospective customer yesterday, yeah. um, and just spent a lot of time asking them questions to understand their business, what were their needs, yeah. why were they interested in another contract manufacturer, what kind of customers did they have, how could we help them, um, and I you know I I, I walk out of it with a buzz. I still do. I love it. That's that's very fascinating, you know, because uh, uh, I think yeah, I think that's the best way to understand anything is just to ask questions and not feel afraid uh, to be judged about that because a lot of people don't do that uh, enough, uh, really. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's a really good skill to have. And because you know you mentioned about something about you know even encouraging your team to do this, uh, and you are you know you help building teams. Uh, one question I really want to ask you is. Uh, uh, do you believe in hiring the right talent or growing the right talent? Oh, <laughs> uh, we, I, I'll answer, I hope I don't sound too much like a politician and yeah. walk around the question. So we, we have, we've developed our own hiring matrix mm -hmm. that we use for our companies and we plot every new hiree on a, on a, on a um, X and Y graph. Mm -hmm. um, and one axis is capability and the other axis is attitude mm -hmm. and the way we look at it and we have we go through we have a set of questions tied to that we ask and we have a set of criteria to say is that person capable mm -hmm. um and that specific thing so we kind of know what does it mean to be capable yeah because uh, that, that's um that's kind of a, a very specific thing to identify and then 
we talk about our core values and our culture so we can then look at do they have the right attitude mm-hmm. and you know what i find is that it's easier to train somebody with a great attitude than to try to convince somebody with the wrong attitude or the wrong values uh, but who's very capable to change their values um you know a great example is some companies uh, are a sort of uh, not really a team-driven culture they're mm-hmm. sort of siloed and engineering stays within engineering and argues with purchasing and sales are the bad guys who always overpromise. um and you know, operations of the guys and come up with reasons why, you know, you know, it's, you can see everyone's got a kind of a negative response about some other department. Um, there's lots of cultures like that, mm-hmm. right or wrong. Um, so we look to identify that. And the people who come from those cultures, it's very hard to change that. So, um, you know, whereas we have the culture, we all got to work together, guys. We have one customer at the end and the customer pays everybody. And the customer tells us whether or not we did a good job. So let's all work together. Um, so I would say it is, I prefer to grow the talent than to hire the talent for that very reason. Um, sometimes that slows us down in the short term. Yeah. Um, but um, I've made very few bad hiring decisions based on someone with the right attitude that couldn't get there. And it, ha- it has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we had somebody that, that didn't work out that had a great attitude, but they couldn't get the technical side right eventually. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't work out and they had to go. Yeah. But more often than not, in my real blunder hires, were the capable people with the wrong values. Yeah. I think uh, I believe in the same thing. If you can get somebody with the right attitude and the willingness to learn, uh, you can actually get them uh, to, you know, be an asset to the company and actually feel more empowered as well, right? Yeah. And you know, Nishal, I think where you hit the nail on the head is the willingness to learn. And when we were first hiring on attitude, we didn't put enough emphasis in that. And it was now one of our top core values mm-hmm. of willingness to learn and problem solving. So we kind of hit it twice. Yeah. Um, and so that's so important because a great attitude, but to kind of say, hey, I do what I do and I like to work with everybody, but I don't really want to do more than what I do. That can be a real challenge for us. Yeah. And I think we made some mistakes hiring people that came across very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't want to grow. And we're very much a growth-oriented business. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's another good value. Some companies, if you're a GDP growth business, you don't want to bring in a whole bunch of people that are excited by growth and new opportunities. Uh, because you might say, well, that's not really what we do yeah. um, as a business. So you want to have a different sort of culture around that. Absolutely. So moving on to the second section uh, of our interview, um, uh, let's talk about, you know, is there any uh, specific book that you have given most as a gift or any uh, couple of books that have had most impact on you? I would say on the first one, there's a book I've given to uh, a few people recently called Bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's by a guy who wants to live to be 180. And he's an old, um, he's, a, he's a computer engineer uh, who was very unhealthy in his 20s. Uh-huh. And then he spent about 20, 25 years, he likes to call it hacking, but really uh, what, it, what it kind of delves into is what does it mean to be healthy, healthy body, healthy mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but he takes that great engineer's approach of lots of data, lots of testing, lots of data. Um, and it, it's a fantastic book and it, it changes, it's completely changed the way I eat, the way I sleep, the way I exercise, and in some cases the way I work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give that book a lot. And then a book 
that's influenced me. It's kind of a cheesy one, but when I was uh, probably 17 or 18, my dad gave me this book called um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It okay. was this guy that was commissioned by Andrew Carnegie to go around to all the wealthy, successful people in America, not to, actually not just America, but mostly America in the kind of 1920s and ask them, how were you successful? And you know, some of these, generally asking people who weren't born successful. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just good. It kind of got me uh, thinking about what I could do. And it probably helped me think about, and a lot of credit goes to my dad for this, to think about, well, you know, maybe if I apply myself in university, I could get one of those jobs in New York. Um, you know, a boy from Indiana yeah. uh, who doesn't normally go there, uh, who'd never been to the city before, could do it. And it sort of probably set me off on the path to say, yeah, I think I can do this. Um, I just got to keep working really hard. That's, um, yeah. that's really interesting because, you know, uh, a little bit like that is why I've started this podcast as well. It, to interview, you know, uh, people such as yourself in industry and to showcase that, you know, not everybody has a path forged out, but it's the things that you do and the attitude that you have can actually yeah. get you uh, into those places. Uh, so talking about that, you know, uh, part of growing and learning is also about uh, understanding and accepting failure. Uh, do you have any favorite failures of yours uh, or a failure that has put you uh, in route to a later success? Yeah, my, my second job. So I, I had two job offers when I was leaving my first job. Um, and I, looking back, I chose, I'd say I chose the wrong one. And um, I went to a company, well, I'll call it, it was called America Online. Mm -hmm. um, and it was uh, two or three years after it had bought Time Warner. Um, and I went there to join the corporate development team to buy tech companies, basically. So they were going to rebuild the brand and buy a lot of interesting internet companies and online advertising companies. And I thought this sounds really, really interesting. Um, and there were some fantastic people. I really liked the people I interviewed with. Um, but the culture was acidic, um, to be candid. There was, and there were, there were good reasons for the culture to be acidic because one company bought the other, this dot-com crash happened, um, and a lot of people lost their pensions mm -hmm. um, and lost their jobs at Time Warner, which was a very healthy media company um, because they kind of got dragged down by this internet company. Um, and we all know AOL's kind of gone, gone the same way as Alta Vista and those sorts of companies. I, I mean, it's still around, but no, it's not used very much. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I, I really thought, what have I done? What did I get wrong? And I realized that it was a joke in my first job that there was a lot of this talk of cultures and the senior bankers would talk about culture. We all, young guys would all laugh and say, ha, 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 culture, whatever. Um, it doesn't really matter. We're all here to work. Um, but then I realized having left, you know, the place I was at, Bear Stearns, had this really unique kind of special culture mm -hmm. um, that was great. And I actually really enjoyed it. And then I was in a culture that I didn't like in a job that I should have really liked. And it really opened my eyes and said, wow, this whole culture thing really matters. And it's not just about the people you work with, but it's about the whole organization you're in. And, and what is it like to work there? And do you like it? Are the people, people you want to work with? And I it found it was incredibly political. Um, and I found it very difficult to be happy in that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I give a lot of credit to some of the folks who've gone on to do some pretty impressive stuff who lived through the culture. I think just kind of swallowed it and said, I will do something else eventually, but I can manage. And I think I was being a bit of a whiny, uh, you know, mid twenties thinking, what have I done with my life? Um, and I probably shouldn't have overreacted so much, but it, I it made me go to grad school, which was a good thing. Uh, Cause I said, I, my, my, my route out was going to get an MBA. 
Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, I think culture is the most understated thing, especially when you're looking at starting out your career, because as graduates, you don't think about that. That's the last thing on your mind, right? You just want to get a job uh, in a company that's good pay. Yeah, I thought uh, culture. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, what is that? Yeah, it's, that it's, it's also something that I uh, tell anybody that I meet that if you're looking for a new job, don't just look for the role or the salary, look for the right cultural fit. Uh, because if you get that, then everything else, you know, can be. Um, yeah, and it's, it's understanding the organization because again, I I like the people I interviewed with. Yeah, uh, these are really nice people. They're really sharp. They're really yeah. smart. They've got some great ideas. I like. I think I could do well. I'll learn a lot. Um, but what I didn't realize is two steps removed. There was this horribly negative culture at the senior executive teams yeah. of both companies it made decision making very difficult and very political yeah um yeah. but yeah uh, do you have any unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love um i think my wife would say this is kind of absurd i now put what's called mct oil in my coffee okay chain triglycerides uh -huh. um and it's basically it's a fatty acid uh, it's synthesized from coconuts okay. and it, what it does is it helps stimulate ketosis. So it's basically burning the right kind of energy in your liver to give energy to your body. Okay. Um, and it's kind of funny. The guys in the office laughed. I'll sit there with my coffee and I'll pour in this weird sort of syrupy liquid, stir it around and sip my coffee. No one else will touch it. Um, uh, yeah, but I love it. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's uh, something I'll probably definitely try because I love coffee. <laughs> Take a look into it. It's not bad. Uh, so I think definitely we'll give this a shot as well. Uh, is there any learning that you had from school or college that you still take with yourself? Um, yeah, I would say particularly my, my graduate school. So I was fortunate enough to go to, uh, to Columbia Business School for an MBA mm -hmm. um, and just had some fantastic professors. Um, and, you know, that program had a unique mix. Uh, I sound like I'm promoting it, but I don't mean to, but I just, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it, had, it has a unique mix of academic professors who are doing research and teaching, but then uh, professors who are coming up from New York, uh, from the city, from their jobs and teaching at nights. Um, really, really switched on people. Um, and I just learned so much. And it's so funny how many times I look back and think, wow, where did I pick that up? Oh, I, I learned it in Columbia. Um, and it's all the way from, uh, just the way I analyze things and, and, and just learning how to really dig into um, basically data. Um, yeah. You know, in a sense, finance isn't wildly different than engineering because it's, it's kind of analyzing data, problem solving, um, looking for solutions, organizing things. And um, that I, I enjoyed that. But also at the MBA program, there's a lot of focus on management, understanding people and team. And that's back to where I went there. And I said, wow, I went from a great culture to a terrible culture. How? Why? What did, you know, how do I even look for that? Because I had no idea. Yeah. You know? It wasn't even really until I left AOL and was at Columbia and there's like I took a couple classes on culture and what does it mean? What are great organizations? And I said, Oh wow, that's what that was. Yeah. Um, I gotta stay away from that. You know, yeah. I can understand, yeah. make sure if I'm where I'm at, if I can influence a culture, I make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I avoid that sort of stuff because it was just yeah, it was, it was sort of, yeah, it was very unhealthy. It wasn't enjoyable. Yeah, so. But, but, I, but the Columbia side was great. I mean, it just taught me so much. Yeah. Um, and I reflect back on it and say, what, what, a, what a good decision. I mean, taking two years out of the career is a long time. Um, but it was good. 
So, you know, uh, let's talk about culture as well. Um, and you've been in industry long enough uh, across, right? Uh, so is there a stereotype or a bad advice you see, you know, uh, being given in the industry? Um, yeah, I would say there's two. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I hope, please don't stop this now. Okay. But I think, I think bankers are overly bashed. <laughs> um, I think, you know, a few bad apples have really kind of soiled the industry. And there's a yeah. lot of good that comes from, from, yeah. from that industry. There's a lot of clever ideas and, and people in private equity firms who focus on building great businesses and then mm-hmm. selling them on. So I actually have a lot of, uh, had a lot of good experience there. And I worked at Bear Stearns, the first company that, that fell in the financial crisis. And um, I mean, I was a junior guy, but we were so far removed from the mortgage-backed security stuff that was going on, yet the whole bank got sullied. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a real shame because there were some really talented people there who were just focusing on their clients. And I worked in mergers and acquisitions and nothing to do with that. So I would say that was the stereotype that still hung. And then unfortunately, there's this real stereotype in this country that we don't make anything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I find myself trying to trying to kind of beat the drum to say, oh, but we do, but we're really good. We're the eighth or ninth biggest in the yeah. world. We've got these fantastic companies and there's all these great opportunities. And I think also the government kind of believes we don't make anything. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a stereotype, unfortunately, that's somewhat perpetuated by the British government um, and not really supporting industry in the way I think it should. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I agree. It's, uh, that's definitely, you know, manufacturing is understated. Uh, but at the moment, I think one of the coolest places to actually work in uh, as well. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, you're doing so many things. You're working with new companies, uh, trying to change the culture. Uh, do you get overwhelmed or unfocused uh, at any point? And if you do, what do you do uh, to actually get your focus back in? Yeah, it, it does happen. So there's, there's, there's two things. There's a mental thing and a physical thing I do. And it happens, it happens regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find... It, it, in the world today, it's so easy to get distracted and so hard to stay focused unless you really pay attention because there's always something buzzing, clicking, uh, going on, dinging on your phone. Um, so uh, I have, I have, a, I have a, uh, three times a week, I listen to what my, my long-term goals are. Um, I've actually recorded myself and I listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have monthly goals to say, have I done this this month? I don't go over the top, you know, just to kind of say, am I doing what I want to do? Yeah. Um, and then also, I guess there's three things within there. Um, during my weekly management meeting uh, with the teams, we sit down and go through what is our top priority this week and what is our big, quarter, we call it quarterly rock. Mm-hmm. So what's the thing over the next three months we really want to get done so we don't get too distracted by the noise. And the other thing I do, and this back to this Bulletproof book, book that's helped me as I exercise a lot. So I got home today, I had a stressful day, felt very unfocused. I was getting pulled a lot to different things. Um, so I went for a 10K run, obstacle course thing. Um, and it felt great. Yeah. Um, you know, I just burn off all the stress. Um, and I find exercise is just, um, yeah, nothing, I think almost nothing beats it for me when it comes to, I just got to get the heck out of the office and run. <laughs> but uh, i do manage to do uh, like a hit session by body coach oh it's brilliant yeah and uh, i've had especially in the covid situation it's helped me quite a lot uh, as well just that focus back in Uh, it's great i mean you're in the middle of a hit session you can't think of anything yeah exactly (laughs) go 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 that's good yeah uh so you know, knowing what you know today, if you have the opportunity to, uh, you know, give an, uh, instruct your younger self about something, what would that be? I would say be more patient. 
Um, I think I spent way too long. All my 20s was about, I'm doing this, then do that. When am I going to do that? What's my next step? Uh, not enough time. Uh, uh, just, just, I think I was just too impatient. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanting change quickly, wanting to know, am I getting promoted this year? I've done a great job. Uh, you know, what do I get in return? Um, not, not, not quite so transactional, but I guess I just felt there's this constant push yeah. um, to keep going. Um, and, and the reality is, I now appreciate that, I'll, you know, I want to live to be over 100 and I'll probably be working until I'm 80 or 90. Yeah. You know, that's um, You know, and I think that I keep trying to put that in perspective. And I've got two great young kids. My wife and I have two kids that are nine and seven. And I keep thinking I've got such a long run of family holidays with them. So I've got to just get this perspective that it doesn't have to happen this week or this month. I got to keep the momentum, but just don't overly pressurize myself. Yeah, it's a sprint, not as it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a longer marathon than it ever was. Exactly. yeah. Well, you know, in um, in industry today, especially during the COVID situation, we're seeing uh, you know gra- people graduating, uh, students graduating now uh, in the situation, yeah. and uh, people you know getting laid off, um, and you know they require now to s- up- approach the industry and t- get jobs, probably new domains and stuff. Uh, in your specific industry and your sector, uh, is there any advice you would like to give, firstly, the graduates uh, starting out at the moment? Uh, and then to the professionals uh, looking to pivot? Yeah, a, a graduate one, it's a very, very easy one. Say yes to everything they ask you to do mm-hmm. and do a good job. Um, I find, uh, and this is, it, it's probably another little rant of mine, um, and it, I don't think it's this generation is, is hugely different, but um, I, I, I come across many young uh, people who join the companies who want to excel in in, in, in progress rapidly and want to know, you know, what do I need to do to promote it? But they don't do the work. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and nothing, Michonne beats just hard work constantly, mm-hmm. extra hours, extra hours, extra hours. Um, to, if, if you want to go that way, I mean, if, if you really want to go forward, just say, yes, can you pick up this project? Yes. Um, you know, do not say that's not in my job description, yeah. uh, unless you want to just plot along. Um, so I'd say that that's really important. Um, and I would say for a professional, it's the same thing. Uh, you can probably delegate a bit more uh, um, when, you're, when you're a bit further along in your career. Um, and maybe the learnings are less, probably a little bit less technical and more about people and understanding the organization. Or maybe it was technical and then you got to understand the finance because you have more P&L responsibility or you're a senior engineer and you support on managing the junior engineers and the middle-level engineers to get through the project on time. Um, you know, take the opportunities to learn. And again, taking the opportunity to learn means um, you're working hard. Uh, that working hard might be taking some night courses to understand project management, maybe even just watching YouTube courses or something on Coursera. But, you know, nothing beats working really hard um, and doing a good job. Um, and I've, I've never met, I've literally never met somebody who had that philosophy who feel like they've been shortchanged. Yeah. No, I think so that's I would say just good advice. Doing that. I'm sure the listeners would uh, absolutely uh, be really useful to them as well. So, yeah. so if I add to that, yeah. uh, you know, everyone will have in their career a boss maybe that doesn't appreciate them enough yeah. or at a company where that, that role just isn't quite there, where it's a great company, but that role you need maybe not isn't there. But, you know, that's back to where be a bit patient, you know. Talk to people, something will open up. 
Um, and, you know, don't feel that if, if, if you've had a year that you feel like, if I progressed enough this year, that, that somehow your career is over, you know, keep going. Yeah. Um, and, and just be patient, don't say, you know, I've worked really hard for six months, where's my this? And I do feel that, that that's happening a lot more than it used to. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to get rid of a few young people. Um, some who were just um, <laughs> uh, not willing to work very hard. Yeah. Um, and we were all kind of scratching our heads, great attitude, but just didn't want to work, messed around a lot. And, and um, yeah, we just kind of said, look, I'm sorry, but this isn't the company for you. And I think that if someone would have sat down and told them that, I think maybe it would have, it would have, um, would have helped maybe. them. Yeah. So, you know, going to our final question, uh, we've talked about uh, what your journey has been like um, and, you know, some of your experiences. Um, where would you want to get to from here? Yeah, our goal, and we've got ambitious ones with Bamit Group. Uh, we want to we want to continue acquiring more businesses that, that fit nicely within the group. Uh, a mix of manufacturing companies to, to expand our footprint our capabilities, but in and then product businesses mm-hmm. um, that are you know great products that need a good home that want to be looked after, um, nurtured and grown. Uh, pretty much a lot in the commercial construction infrastructure space. Um, so we see a lot of we see a lot of potential there. Uh, and we're going to keep going for it. Nice. Uh, thanks, Troy. I think it's been really useful uh, to have you on here and you just listen to all your experiences and advice uh, as well. Um, I'm sh- I've learned quite a lot uh, just through this conversation. Uh, I hope you found uh, this uh, discussion insightful uh, as well. I'm sure the listeners are definitely going to find it very insightful. Uh, any last words before we end? Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me on. Uh, this is a great show, and it's a, it's a great launching pad into some really good discussions. And I, and I appreciate you giving me the time. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's right. Hey, listeners, hope you enjoyed the episode. Would love to hear your feedback in the comments section. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe.